And now, a message from Pastor Josh Carmody. Welcome, everybody. We're glad uh, you're here. My name's Josh. I'm one of the uh, pastors here at New Covenant, and it's good to celebrate our risen Savior today with you. And uh, hope is alive because Jesus is alive. We've been saying it for weeks, and uh, we'll probably keep on saying it because you know what? He's alive every single day, and uh, we have hope in Him always. And uh, so we are so glad you're here. I wanted to let you know that next week uh, we're doing something a little special. It's called Vision Sunday. And uh, maybe you've been coming to New Covenant a long time. Maybe you haven't been. I want you to know that next week will be a great time just to learn about what we're doing uh, this year and beyond, kind of touch on some of the things we talked about in January at our annual business meeting, and just be a great opportunity for you to find out what New Covenant's all about and what God has for us and the hope that He has planned for us uh, this year and beyond. So I hope you can make it out next week. But as I said, today we are finishing Hope is Alive, the sermon series Hope is Alive. So I want to read a scripture for you out of Matthew chapter 28. It'll be on the screens. It says this, early on Sunday morning, and now this isn't that early. I talked to someone this morning that said they were at an Easter sunrise service. All right, now that's early, right? So early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it, and his face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. And then the angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there and remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the, e the angels' message. You know, I like that scripture. He, the angels say he was crucified and he was lying there, but hey, he is risen. That's awesome. He was crucified. He is risen. He is alive today and forevermore. And because Jesus is alive, hope is alive. Because Jesus is alive, you and I, we are alive in him. Amen. Amen. Happy Easter. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we thank you uh, for this day. And today, Jesus, we celebrate uh, your resurrection, that you were crucified, that you uh, laid in a tomb, but you are risen. And so today we celebrate you, our risen Savior, and we thank you that we can have hope in you because you are alive. And we thank you, Jesus, that you have filled us with your spirit and that today we are alive in you. We love you and we give this day to you. In your name we pray. And everybody that agreed said, Amen. Amen. So what is hope? We've been talking about it. I've already said it probably a dozen times. What is hope? Hope is a confident expectation. It's a confident expectation that tomorrow is going to be better than today. It's a confident expectation that next year will be better than this year. That this year is going to be better than last year. It's a confident expectation. Well, how will it be better? Because Jesus Christ is alive in us. Because we hope in Him. We put our trust and our confidence 
in Him. And so we expect for things to be better. Does that mean that we're not going to have trouble? No. John uh, 16.33 says, But in this world you will have troubles, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So Jesus has overcome the world. So no matter what we face, we overcome in Jesus' name. We just sang that. No matter what we face, we overcome in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. Because here's the thing. The opposite of hope is despair. I'm not going to talk about despair today because hope is a lie. But despair is the complete absence of hope. That's what despair is. It's to be completely absent of hope, of any confident expectation. It says, my life can't and won't and will not get better. My circumstances will not change. But I want you to know when you turn your life over to Jesus Christ, hope is alive in you. You can have a confident expectation that no matter the circumstance, you and I, we are overcomers. That hope is alive. And so today we celebrate Hope. And I want to talk to you, I want to share with you a couple stories about hope. And I want to go back into the Old Testament and I want you to show that our God who loved us so much, He gave His one and only Son, right? We all know that in John chapter 3. That He loved us so much that He gave His one and only Son. That's who, what God did. He loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son. And I want to talk about this God for a moment, this God of love. I want you to know that He is the God of hope. He always has been and He always will be. He always has been the God of hope. I want to tell you a little story this morning. It's in the book of Jonah. Anybody ever heard of Jonah? A lot of times when you hear Jonah, you hear about Jonah and the whale. Jonah and the big fish, right? And, and you hear that story. And so Jonah's a prophet, and God speaks to Jonah. As, and that's what prophets are. They, they speak to people on God's behalf. And so... God says, Jonah, I want you to travel to the city of Nineveh. And I want you to tell them about me. I want you to tell them the message that I will give you. And so what does is, what is, um, Jonah decide that he's going to do? Instead of go to Nineveh, he runs away. He's like, ain't going there. Don't want to do it. I don't like those people. I'm out. He runs away. Goes to Tarshish. He jumps on a ship. You guys know the story? Maybe you don't. He jumps on the ship. They're going, minding their own business. All of a sudden, big waves and the boat's taking on water and all this turbulence, all these things going on. And they're throwing stuff overboard and they're panicking. And Jonah's like, listen, listen, I know what the problem is. It's my fault. I'm running away from God and he's getting my attention. Here's what you do. Just go ahead and throw me overboard. They're like, what? What are you talking about? Like, you want me to, you want us to just to throw, I mean, they're, Waves and I mean they're about to go under like this big ship. How what kind of what kind of chance do you have if we throw you overboard? He's listen, just do it. Just just throw me overboard. So they throw him overboard, and the Bible says that a great big fish just swallows Jonah alive. Doesn't even chew him. Because that would be even a more remarkable story. <laughs> but talk about a resurrection. But then. You know, he wouldn't be able to think while he's in the belly of the whale if he had gotten eaten. In it. Anyway, so he just gets swallowed whole. And I don't know how this works, and I don't even know what kind of animal will just swallow a person whole and then you get to live in there for three days. But, but God knows. Big fish. And so he's in there and he's pondering, because what else are you going to do? I doubt there's much to eat in there. Oh, right? I mean, you never know. Desperation. 
just kind of wipe off something off the lining. Of the <laughs> Happy Easter. So he's hanging out in there for a few days. And he's like, all right, I repent. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And so the, the big fish spits Jonah out onto dry land, and he heads over to Nineveh. And the message that God has for Nineveh is this, in 40 days, you'll all be destroyed. I mean, that's part of the reason I'm sure he didn't want to go either. It's like, oh, that's a wonderful message, right? God's going to destroy you in 40 days. So the people of Nineveh, they say, you know what, this is a problem. Uh, I'd prefer if we didn't get destroyed. Uh, and so everybody repents, and, and they mourn, and they ask for forgiveness, and the entire city changes their mind about how they're living. They were living so perverse and so wrong and so wickedly, and all of a sudden they decide, you know what, we're going to change our mind 100%. We're sorry, God. And we pick up in Jonah chapter 3, verses 10, and then chapter 4. They say this. This is the, the people of Nineveh. They said, who can tell? Oh, bummer. You guys don't have this part. You're right. Just hang with us. Let me just listen to me say this. Who can tell? They're saying this about God, the people of Nineveh. They're, they're, they're mourning and repenting. Say, who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. So they're repenting. That sounded pretty sincere. They're repenting. They say, who can tell? There's some hope. Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. So when God saw, you can pick up here. When God saw that they, what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Chapter 4, verse 1, he says, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Great idea. He said, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Now, if you keep reading in Jonah, there's some more things that goes on. And Jonah, like all of us, has lessons to learn about his life and things that he might need to improve on. But I just so like this. He's like, man, God, you sent me here, and I knew this was going to happen. I knew that if I told these people about you, that you being so great in your unfailing love and compassion and your mercies, and you're just so great, I just knew that you were going to save these awful, wretched people. <laughs> I think we would have been better off without them. I mean, that's what, that's what he's saying. Sure. He got angry about it, and so he complained to the Lord about it. He's like, why don't you just destroy him? Like, what? I knew that this is who you were. This is what you do. You are a God of hope. You're eager to turn your back from destroying your creation. And that's why I ran away. Right? He's mad about it. He's mad that over 100,000 people ret repented and turned away from their wicked ways. He's mad about it. Because he knew. Isn't that, isn't that Even in the Old Testament, and even some, he knew that God was a God of hope. Right. That his mercy never ended. That he would 
He was a merciful and compassionate God. I like this. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and eager to turn back from destroying people. People have an idea of who God is and he's this vindictive, mean, wrathful God. Look at that. He saved all of these people. He said, you know what? I'm not going to destroy you because of your repentance. God is a God of hope. Amen? Amen. He has been and always will be a God of hope. And I like that. They said perhaps... Even yet, maybe God will change his mind about us. They had that hope. That even that, that God said, I'm going to destroy you, they still had this hope that God will change his mind. Here's the thing. He offers hope to those in despair. He is a God of unfailing love. He offers hope to those who completely lack hope. Those who despair. He offers hope. There's another story in the New Testament uh, about a guy named Lazarus. You guys ever heard this story? Yeah. Let's read a little bit of it. I'm not going to read it all. It's John chapter 11, verse 1 through 44. It'd be a lot to read, but I'm going to read a little bit here and there. This is 1 to 4. It says, A man named Lazarus was sick, and he lived in Bethany with his sisters, uh, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. All right, so Jesus is out ministering, him and his disciples, and he gets word that, hey, your friend Lazarus is sick. And he says, all right, it's fine because this sickness will not end in death. Now, if you're Mary and Martha, you've seen the miracles Jesus have done. You've watched Him perform these things. You've seen uh, all kinds of things happen at the name of Jesus. And they got word from Jesus Himself. I mean, Jesus spoke the words. That was the cool part about living back then is that you could see Jesus and He would talk to you, right? And we can't see the physical form of Jesus today, but we have His Spirit living inside of us. And so you and I get to be His representatives. But they got to see the miracles, they got to see things happen. And he said, listen, this sickness will not end in death. How many of you would be hopeful then that this would not end in death? I mean, yeah, Jesus said it. Awesome. So let's pick up in John 11, 11 through 14. Jesus said this. Him and his disciples were ministering. He said this. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. And the disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. The disciples didn't always get things very well. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but what Jesus meant was Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. All right? So now, if you remember, Jesus told Mary and Martha, he said that this sickness will not end in death. So either one of two things. Jesus, now Jesus said, hey, Lazarus is dead. We got to go back. It had been a few days he stayed and ministered and, and was there. He's like, it's time to go back so I can wake him up from sleeping now because he's dead. And so here's Jesus. He said, this sickness will not end in death. So either Jesus was confused or this was not the end. Either he was confused or this was not the end. There was a part two. Because he said, this sickness will not end in death. If Jesus spoke a promise, then you better believe that it is true. Absolutely. And so, let's see what happens. John chapter 11, verse 20. When Martha 
got word that Jesus was coming, she met, went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. We'll get to Mary in a second. She was pretty bummed out. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Check this out. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. See, Martha got it. She remembered. She said, Jesus said that this sickness will not end in death. And I know, I have faith to believe that if Jesus would have been here, I know she wouldn't have died. Or Lazarus, he wouldn't have died. I know he would still be with us. And then she says this. I like it. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. She's hopeful. She's saying that I know that if you ask God for life for Lazarus, that he'll have it. I know that whatever you ask of God, that it will be done. So Martha was hopeful. She was hopeful. She knew that Jesus had the power and the authority to raise Lazarus from the dead. Let's look at Mary. John chapter 11, verse 32. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, sounds pretty familiar, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now she had the faith, but she had lost hope. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them and they told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. So Mary, she comes to him and says, Lord, if only you had been here, I know that my brother would not have died. But then she joins her friends who the Bible says are weeping and wailing. Weeping and wailing, mourning. And this is, he's been in the tomb for like four days at this point. We're skipping over some stuff, but if you read, he's been in there a while. And they are wailing and carrying on. And Martha has this thought that she's saying, listen, I know God that whatever, Jesus, whatever you ask of God will be done. And here's Mary saying, just weeping and wailing and surrounded by all of her friends and just mourning the loss. And then there's something interesting that happens. You read about it in these scriptures. It'll say that Jesus was troubled or upset. And this one says a deep anger was inside of Jesus. And then the shortest verse of the Bible that everybody loves to memorize, Jesus wept. It's an easy one. Two words. And this one, it's then Jesus wept. And it's like, well, why is Jesus crying? Maybe he was crying because of all the sorrow that was around him. Maybe he was crying because, you know, that he was also mourning the loss of Lazarus. But I think that he was crying because he told them that this would not end in death. He spoke it from his mouth, and yet they despaired. They lost all hope. You know what I think? I think it broke his heart. I was like, man, what? I spoke this to you. You've seen all of these miracles. You've seen all of these things happen. You know the truth. You know that whatever I ask of my Father, that it will be done. You know these things, and yet you despaired? And this deep anger wells up inside of him. John eleven thirty-eight to 44 Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. He still had that. There was a cave with a stone rolled across his entrance, and he said, roll the stone aside. Jesus told them, but Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Probably like that big fish. You guys noticing a theme this morning? I didn't until just now. Jesus responded. He said, didn't I tell... This is what he said. This is the, 
here it comes back to why is he angry? Why is this going on? Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? said, I already spoke it. I said this will not end in death, that God will be glorified in this. So he said that. He said, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside, and Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him and let him go. Listen, Mary and Martha, all of those people, they knew that Jesus was their hope, but yet they still despaired. They saw the circumstance. They saw what went on. They saw what happened, that Lazarus has died, and they despaired, and they lost hope. But Jesus had already told them, listen, this will not end in death. But their circumstance looked different than what Jesus had spoken. And let me tell you something. We should believe the promises of God before we believe our circumstances. We should believe the promises of God and not our circumstances. Because we don't know everything. In fact, we don't know a whole lot. But there's one who knows everything because he created and made everything, and that is God the Father. And I'd rather trust his understanding and knowledge than my limited understanding and knowledge. He spoke the words, and Lazarus came out. He was not dead. He was alive. You've probably heard it said before, don't put a period where God, don't put a period where God has put a comma. I really messed that up. Let me try it again. Because you probably never heard it said like that before. (laughs) Couldn't get through. Don't put a period where God has put a comma. They said, Lazarus died. That's it. We're done. And God said, no, this will not end in death. Don't put a period. Don't put this is it. That this is done where God has put a comma. Trust in Him. Trust in His promises. Hope in God's promise. Hope in God's promise despite the circumstance. Jesus said, you would see God's glory if you believe. What is that word glory? It's a good opinion concerning someone. It's resulting in, that results in praise and honor. It's magnificence. It's excellence. It's majesty. It's the perfect excellency of God the Father. You will see God's glory. You, would, you will see God's majesty. You will see His excellence. You will see His perfection. If only you would believe. And have hope and not look at the circumstance and not look at the surroundings, but rely on what Christ has said. You will see God's glory. Remain hopeful in difficult times. Now listen, we know how the story ends. Would it have not been difficult to, in those four days to mourn and be sad? Because the fact of the matter was Lazarus had died. And so all, I mean, human nature says, man, it's time to mourn. It is time to be sad. And so we can't fault them for that. But here's the thing. We should still remain hopeful in difficult times. We should remain hopeful in difficult times because if Jesus promised it, then we know that it is guaranteed because he is not one who lies. Amen. He tells us the truth. And so God is building a virtue in you. 
And His name will be praised as a result. When things don't go our way, we can continue to hope in Jesus Christ because He is alive. Then hope is always alive. Even if the circumstance, even if the situation, even if your physical body, even if that relationship looks broken or deteriorated or something is wrong, I want you to know that we can keep hoping in Jesus Christ. Hope is alive despite our circumstance. And when we go through that, He is teaching us something. There is a virtue that is coming out of us and we are growing in our faith and growing in our hope. And God is faithful because He is the God of hope. His unfailing love, His compassion, His mercy, it never ends. And it is available. It's available always. It was available to Jonah while he was in a stinky whale. It was available to that whole city of Nineveh. Thousands upon thousands of people found hope in God. And He never changes. Many people saw Jesus die too and felt that that was the end. They felt that that was the end, that all hope was lost. But we know that hope is alive because Jesus is alive. You know, there's a guy, you might have heard of him, his name's Abraham Lincoln. He said this. He said, it's not 16th president. It's not in the still calm of life that great characters are formed. It's not in the still calm of life that great characters are formed. The habits of a vigorous mind are formed in contending with difficulties. Great necessities call out great virtues. Great necessities call out great virtues. I mean, that's what it is. That's when characters are born. Why are we talking about Mary and Martha? Why are we talking about Jonah? Because they went through some difficult times, but God brought something out of them and caused something to be put inside of them. That hope is alive in them. Great necessities call out great virtues. And in wrapping up this morning, I want to read out of 1 Peter 1, uh, verse 3 to 9. It says this, What a God we have. How many of you say amen to that? And how fortunate we are to have Him. This Father of our Master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead. We're getting back to the Easter message. Here we go. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for. That doesn't sound like hope. I don't know what does. Including a future in heaven and the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all. Life healed and whole. And I know how great this makes you feel. Even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of His victory. You never saw Him, yet you love Him. You still don't see Him, yet you trust Him with laughter and singing. Because you kept on believing, you'll get what you're looking forward to. Total salvation. Amen. Amen. That's a great chunk of Scripture. 
You and I, man, Jesus, he was crucified, but he is risen. And he came to give us a new life, a resurrected life. I like this scripture. We have everything to live for. We have everything to live for. We have a bright future and the future starts now. We have something to hope in. We have something to hope for. Hope is alive because Jesus is alive. We have a future in heaven, an eternity with our Creator. And I like this. We're not promised an easy road. He said, in the meantime, you're going to have to put up with every form of aggravation. Every form of aggravation. You say double amen to that. But there's a future where we will have a healed and whole life. We will be complete in Jesus, where there will be no more aggravation, no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain, none of that. It will all be gone. That is the future that we put our hope in, that we put our trust in. And if Jesus said it, then hey, He's going to do it. He who began a good work in you and me is faithful to complete it. And He says this, He says at the end, because you kept on believing. He said your genuine faith will come out proved genuine. Because you kept on believing, because you kept on having faith, you'll get what you're looking forward to. Total salvation. You know, that word faith is a strong belief. It's things that we hope for that remain unseen. That we hope for them, but we just haven't seen it yet. That faith that says, I'm going to keep on believing for whatever it is that your circumstance is telling you. I want you to know that Jesus Christ has a better plan for you and for me. And we can keep on believing. Keep believing and you'll get what you hope for. Total salvation. Romans 15, 13, and I end with this. says, Oh, may the God of great hope fill you with joy, fill you up with peace so that your believing lives filled with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit will brim over with hope. Hope is alive, amen? Hope is alive in us today because Jesus is alive. For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.